Okay, Beruchim Abayim, welcome everyone. We're continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 38. I'd like to learn with you a few words in Mesilat Yesharim in the first chapter and then Be'ezrat Hashem after we learn these words we'll apply them in a few ways Halakha Lema'aseh We've been going through the subject of Emunah and as we've been explaining that Emunah is much more than belief Emunah is understanding life challenges as they come. Okay. Emunah is understanding how to read the map of life, knowing how to react, knowing the purpose of whatever is going on in our lives. So today is another example of a subject that all of us need to learn. The Mesilat Yesharim in the first chapter talks about what we call Olam Hazeh. Olam Hazeh means the current world that we live in. As we know, he says that Olam Hazeh is a hall, as we learned a few weeks ago, to the banquet called Olam Abba. The way to get there, he talks about mitzvot, he talks about the different things that we need to do to get there. And then he says the following words. Alken, therefore, Husam Ha'adam, the Adam, that's all of us, was placed Ha'olam, in this world, Batahila, at first, in order to reach Olam Abba. Without going too much into detail, just want to ask you a simple question. Why does he refer to Olam Hazeh as Zeha Olam? Which means he should have continued after he introduced us to Olam Hazeh, to this world. He should have said, therefore, each of us was placed by Olam Hazeh in this world. Why does he say Bezeha Olam? Why did he change the words? So I don't know if this is the right explanation. I'm going to suggest something. It may not be the right explanation of what he meant. It may be. But for sure, what I'm telling you is 100% emet. If he would have said, Hashem placed us ba'olam hazeh, it would have sounded like Hashem takes us and puts us in the world. 
and then whatever goes on in this world. But it's really not like that. Bezeh ha'olam means that Hashem is constructing a world for you. He didn't put you in this world. He made a world for you. Now, that needs a little explanation. I mean, I have to explain it. I don't expect you to believe me or to understand what I'm saying. What does that mean, he made a world for me? So first we have to learn the words of the Zohar. The Zohar says such an unbelievable thing. That when Hashem created the world, here's a historical lesson. When Hashem created the world, He used blueprints. He didn't just make the world. He made blueprints first. And as He built the world, He looked at the blueprints, just like today builders use blueprints. Hashem uses or used blueprints to create the world. And that's a little bit surprising because we need blueprints because we don't know how to build. We forget. We don't really know the right calculations. The creator of the world doesn't need blueprints. But yet, the Zohar is telling us historically that when Hashem made the world, He didn't just build it. He first put it on a blueprint and then He built the world. That's good, nice historical information to know. Doesn't make much of a difference to us at this point if he used blueprints or not. But that's what happened. But first, I'd like to explain to you what that means. What were the blueprints? What did he, where are they? So the, the Zohar says that the blueprints of creation was the Torah. As the Zohar says, Istakel be'oraita. Hashem looked in the Torah. He has the Torah. He's looking at the Torah. Ubara Alma. And He created the world. What does that mean, practically speaking? It means, it's going to sound a little weird, so you'll forgive me. Just don't walk out yet. It'll sound a little weird. But it means like this. That... There is a mitzvah in the Torah called Kabed et avicha ve'et imecha. Honor your father, honor your mother. Well, Hashem looks at that and says, okay, you can't honor a father and a mother if you don't have a father and a mother. So therefore, I have to create a world where people are born to a father and a mother. I could have made them come out of the ground. But I can't do that. Because it says, Kabed et How would they honor their father and mother if they don't have one? Oh, so we have to create a father and a mother. He looked at Torah and he saw, You have to teach your children something called Hinuch. Oh, well, we must have children coming into their parents' lives, probably a little younger than their parents, not as mature as their parents. And this way, the parents will be able to teach their children. Hence, we have children that were created, young, small, immature, so that we can fulfill... Thank you so much. Thank you. 
so that we can fulfill <coughs> the mitzvah of Vishinantam Levanech. Hashem saw in the Torah that you're not allowed to eat milk and meat together. Oh, so we have to create dairy and we have to create meat. Hashem saw in the Torah that you're not allowed to eat certain animals. Certain animals you can eat. So we have to create them. It says in the Torah you can't wear together shatnez, wool and linen. You have to have wool and you have linen. How else can you fulfill that mitzvah? It says that there's a mitzvah of tefillah. Or to learn with your words. Or to speak. Lashon hara. So you need a mouth. And you need words to come out of that mouth. Otherwise, how could you fulfill that mitzvah? Something called love. Hashem created ahava. Well, it says, Ve'ahavta l're'acha kamocha. You have to love your fellow Jew. Oh, well, we have to create this emotion called love. It says, to love Hashem. You need love. Mezuzah. Oh, you need doors. To the average person, this would sound a little weird. I'm sure some of you are sitting there saying, come on, are you serious? Sound a little weird. Okay, the Zohar says it, which I tell you. That's what the Zohar means. The Zohar is saying, Hashem looked in the Torah, and based on the mitzvot of the Torah, based on all of what's required of us, He designed a world around the Torah. But in truth, I will tell you that if you think otherwise, in a few moments, I'm going to prove to you that you're out of your mind. So you'll forgive me for that. But I have to say it. Right now, anyone who hears the Zohar says, okay, it's a little strange. Okay, the Zohar says it. But I'm telling you, if you don't agree to this, you don't even need to quote the Zohar. It's so obvious, this Zohar. It's so simple. There is no other way. It has to be this way. I'll give you a mashah. Imagine you're driving on the Garden State Parkway and you see this huge area, acres and acres, thousands of people working, involved, trucks, Hard hats, the whole thing. And you see, obviously, they're building something. It's right close to your home. You want to know, what are they building here? So you actually turn off the highway to go see what in the world are they making. So you stop there. You ask someone, where's the, uh, where's the boss over here? They point you to some person. You go over to them. And you say, sir, I see this unbelievable, huge project here that's going on. Could you tell me what's going up over here? What are you building? And the guy says to you, I'll tell you the truth, we're not really sure. It all depends what comes out. After we finish, we'll see. If we see a stadium came out, so we'll make it for sporting events. 
If we see that houses were built, we'll make it residential. And if we see it was nice office buildings, we'll put offices there. And if we see a mall came out, we'll make sure to put retail stores for people to come shop. Now I bet you'd be a little bit offended by this person. He said, what? What did you say? You're gonna build it? And then you're gonna figure out what to do with it? Sir, you're insulting my intelligence. I know nobody does that. What are you, what are you talking about? You would never believe such a person. Would you accuse the creator of the world that he would make a world first and then decide what the purpose is? Is that what you thought before you came in? You thought that first God made parents and then he looked around and said, oh wow, what an item. Kibbut Avaim. Oh, it just works out. Wow. There are parents already here. Let's make a mitzvah to honor them. You think he first did something and then thought of the purpose? You think he looked around the world that he created and then decided what the purpose is? How could you even have a have a mean of thing? The Zohar doesn't need to say this. It's obvious. You wouldn't accuse the most simple human of such a ridiculous thing that he would tell you. The creator of the world obviously was thinking of the purpose when he made the world. That's obvious. And if the purpose is the Torah and the mitzvot, then obviously he first had that in his book and he planned the world around the purpose. There is no other way to understand. You don't need to quote a Zohar. I quoted only the beginning because you would be shocked. But really it's so obvious and so simple. But I'd like to add a little more to what the Zohar says. We say every day in Shahrit, Ham Hadesh Betuvo which means that Hashem is Mehadesh. Mehadesh means makes new again. Every day, He makes Maase Bereshit. The creation is constantly being renewed. Like it says in Tehilim, Le'olam Adonai Devarecha Nitzav Bashamayim. Which means the words of Hashem that created the world are constant. It's not like a manufacturer of a car who makes the car and the car keeps going by itself. The world is constantly being created. Like we say in Tehillim, Not Asa Shamayim Va'aretz. Hashem didn't make Shamayim Va'aretz. He's always making Shamayim Ba'aretz. Which means that not only when Hashem made the world, 
5,782 years ago, he looked at the blueprints and said, how do I make the world? It means every single person, every moment of their lives, if you can imagine, the creator of the world is holding his blueprints. Each and every one of us have a blueprint as well. We have goals to reach. We have potential to live up to. We live in a world where we were created small. Zehakatan, we say. Gadol here. Our hope is that the katan, the small person, becomes a gadol, a great person. In what way does he become great? By living up to his potential. The potential of every single one of us down here in this world is way beyond our imagination. There's a whole world out there of people who are not living up to their potential. In fact, some explain that's what the Kohen Gadol had in mind when he prayed in the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur. He only had a few minutes in the Holy of Holies and he was only able to pray a few short tefillot. One of them he prayed for food for Am Yisrael, which is obvious why that's important. He prayed for that we should be self-sustaining, there should be peace. And then he prays, something weird. He prays for women not to have miscarriages, which we all understand the pain of a miscarriage. But at the same time, you wonder, he didn't pay for sick, he didn't pray for sick people. He didn't pray for people who didn't get married. He didn't pray for people who not even, didn't even get pregnant. He didn't pray for those. He's only worried about the miscarriages. Why, why is that the focus of the Kohen Gadol Yom Kippur? And I saw perhaps the answer is there are two types of miscarriages. There's the normal miscarriage that we know about where you have a potential life that you're looking forward for this life to come into the world and live and that potential life doesn't make it. That's a tragedy. But there are other types of miscarriages. It's the miscarriages of the people who are actually born, who are alive and well. But the potential that they have of greatness, of character, of kindness, of patience, of wisdom, of sacrifice, of love, of so much, so much potential is sitting right inside of them that never comes out. It's dead potential. That's also a miscarriage. The Kohen Gadol was praying for both types. There shouldn't be miscarriages in Am Yisrael. Not the people who weren't born and especially to those who were born. That they should live up to their potential that God gave them. So each and every one of us is born with a blueprint. When Abraham Avinu was by the Akedah, Hashem called him and said, Abraham, Abraham. Simply it's a sign of love when you call someone twice by their name. But the Midrash says it's more than that. The Midrash says that every person that's created, there's an image of that person in Shamaim, their potential. There's the Abraham of Shamaim. 
There's the Yosef in Shamayim. There's the Sarah of Shamayim. That's your potential. And then they send down the Abraham down here. And they send us down as Ketanim. And there comes a, to a moment in life, hopefully, that there's a match between the upper Abraham and the lower Abraham. And by the Akedah, Hashem told them, Abraham, Abraham, there's a match. You got to your potential. That's beautiful. Every one of us has that potential. That means every one of us has a blueprint for our lives. And guess what the creator of the world is doing every day? He's taking the blueprint of your life and my life and he is making Zeha Olam, the Olam that you're in right now. The moment that you're in right now was created for you. And based on what was it created for you? Because they were looking, Istakel Be'oraita. Hashem is looking at your purpose, at your mission, at your goals. Ubara Alma. He made a world for you. No, no, He didn't just stick you in Olamazeh. He didn't throw you into this world. Zehaolam. He made this world for you. Exactly what you're going through right now is your world that was designed just for you. You're not thrown into a world. There's a world that's being designed around you every moment. It's like a GPS. The GPS takes the address. That's the goal. We never change the address. That's where we're going. But if you make a wrong turn, there's going to have to be a recalculate. You're going to have to go a different way. The address never changes. But your road may have to change. They were going to take you through this beautiful highway, but then you took the wrong turn. So you may have to go through a different kind of road. Yes, our decisions actually make a difference in what the next step of Zeha Olam is going to be. Your decisions will either bring you closer to your purpose or bring you further from your purpose. And that's why there has to be constant recalculate. Your decision today makes a very big difference to what happens to you tomorrow. It's all done in kindness, but it's all relative to what you decide. Meaning, if you took this road that I gave you today, then you would have been much sweeter, much nicer, but you didn't do it. So then maybe you need a different kind of road. Maybe you need a little pinch. Maybe you need a little smack. Maybe you need a very big simha. Maybe you need something very special to happen in your life. Hashem has His ways of designing zeha olam in order to get to your greatness. Could you imagine what that is? So this Zohar is not just a historical account of creation. Oh, by the way, when Hashem made the world, He looked at a blueprint. It is halakha maaseh. It's working now in my life. The next thing that happens to me, 
The next person I meet was not an accident. The next person I see is Zeha Olam. That person, oh, that's your purpose. You have no idea how many responsibilities we have. People might think, oh, responsibility, that's if you own a business, if you're running an organization, if you're running a shul, if you're giving classes. No. Every person you meet on a daily basis, each person is ha'olam, was put in front of you for a reason. For some, you're supposed to just smile. For others, you're supposed to hug. And for some, you have to cry. And for some, you have to listen. And for some, you have to raise. And you have to pat on the back. There isn't a situation that wasn't designed for you. You may be ignoring your responsibilities. You may be walking around the world and not realizing that you're missing every sign along the way. You're missing many exits on the road. But make no mistake about it, that every person that you see, every situation that comes up, if it's cloudy, rainy, snowy, sunny, hot, cold, if God forbid something tragic may happen around you, that you heard about it, that's for you. They were thinking about you when that tragedy took place. You are part of that story because you heard about it. You were affected by it. That's for you. Don't ignore it. If the tragedy of Alinu is going on in your life, that's also Zehaulam. It's also for you. A great simha is going on in your life, it's for you. You go to a wedding, that's a Zehaulam. You have what to do over there. This world is constantly being created for you. Each and every one of us has Zeh HaOlam. We're not all in Olam Hazeh. That would make it sound like we're all in the same place. We're not. Zeh HaOlam has an understanding that, no, no, Zeh, this one, this specific one is yours. And you could only get to where you need to get with your world, not my world. That's why you can never judge people. And that's why you can't always share from your own experience and say, Oh, I understand what you're going through. I went through it myself. No, you didn't. You were never that person. You never went through that situation the same way they did we could just try to help people by being compassionate and sensitive and try to share some wisdom, but not in a, I could do it, why not you? That's not, that doesn't, that's, not a, that's not a question. Because you're different than me. And guess what? If you're going through something and I'm not, it could be, I couldn't handle what you're going through. And perhaps that's why I wasn't given that situation. So we went from a historical lesson to a real halakha lemaaseh. Everything that's going on in your life today, tomorrow, and going forward is ha'olam. It's not accidental that person knocked on your door. It's not accidental they called you for this situation. It's just not accidental.
It's your mission. How to handle it? You need to know what the right thing to do with every single situation. This is actually, I could say, if there's one example in Tanakh that we could use in a very proud, beautiful way, is Yosef. Here's a man who in his own blueprints, if you ask him, what's your blueprints? I want to be big. I want to be a melech. Not for the honor. When you're a melech, you have power. You could help people. You could feed people. You could make people's lives better. That's what real power is for. So if you ask the 17-year-old Yosef, so what's your, what's your goals? He said, I want to be big. By the way, we should all learn from that. Many people, they're very happy just being better than nothing. You know, the better than nothing Jew. He says, how come you didn't do that? I said, I did this. It's better than nothing. Could you imagine living your life just better than nothing? Is that really all we can accomplish? Is better than nothing? Isn't there so much more that we're capable of? Better for nothing is a terrible way to live. Yosef didn't dream of becoming a father, a grandfather only. He wanted to help mankind. I want to be the melech of the world. I want to help everybody. Big, big dreams. Don't sell yourself short. And if you would interview that 17-year-old Yosef and speak to him about his dreams, you would see, wow, what a giant. At least in dreams. And then everything imaginable that could go wrong in this dream goes wrong. Every single thing. He comes from a, a prestigious family. Out of the family. He's ousted. He's gone. He's royalty. He's the, the son of Yaakov Avinu. No longer. He's in a strange land. He goes from a free man to a slave. He goes to a slave to being in jail. Could you imagine a worse road to becoming the Melech? Imagine you had dreams of being a Melech and you were Yaakov Avinu's son. Okay, it's a little bit logical. It's possible to get there. But now everything went south. Everything backwards. So what happens? What happens to me and you? I'm not sure. But Yosef, he understands these words of Mislai Shalim. He says, That's my world. And that's why you'll find him wherever he is. As hard as it is to imagine, it says, Vahi ish matzliach. He's a slave now. He's matzliach. He's very successful. He's, I gotta be the best slave that I can. Because if I wanna get to my goal, this is the way to do it. I gotta do it from here. And then he goes to jail. And guess what? He says, oh, zeh, zeh haolam. It must be, I need to be matzliach in jail. He's matzliach in jail. Did you ever hear a guy in jail is Matzliah? He's successful in jail. How do you get to that success? How are you not depressed? How are you not disappointed? Because you know, what do you mean? Istakel be'oraita ubara alma. Hashem is taking the blueprints of your life. He's looking at your goal. He knows your address. And He's working it. 
why you had to go through this system. That may be partially your reason because of what you did. Maybe that's the way he originally had it. We don't know all the answers. But clearly, if you're in this situation right now, if you're dealing with a difficult husband or a difficult wife or a difficult mother-in-law or a difficult child, Zehallah, that's your world. You must know that your greatness is not by circumventing. You need to go through this world successfully. We would rather avoid hardships, for sure. We would rather have it easy, without a question. But Hashem knows much better than us. He knows exactly how to get us to our destination from where we are right now. And if you don't take that, then we're getting further away and further complicated from our address. What a way to live life. Zeha That child? Zeha That's your world. Oh, it's not easy. I know. That's your world. You learn to be matzliah. Learn to be successful with that person, with that husband, with that wife, with that family, with your situation. Maybe you weren't given a lot of money. Zeha That's your derech. Maybe you were given a lot of money. Zeha'olam, be careful, that's your dinner. Everything and anything that goes on in your life daily is not a world and you happen to be in it and oh, psh, why this happened to me? Why am I in this place? Why? No, no, it's not like that. They're building the world around your life. You just gotta be up to see how to be matzliach in your situation. You can't change your situation. You could be matzliah in your situation, which may change the next situation. You better take it on. Make sure you're compassionate when you need to be, you're kind when you need to be, you're strong when you need to be, and everything and everything you do comes with chokhmah and the right decision. Why does it matter if you came to this class today? You know, I think very, a very long time before I speak. And my thoughts usually are not, what's the biggest hadush that I can give you? Or, you know, how can I wow you with something that you never heard? That's really not so much relevant to me. What's relevant, what should be relevant to all of us, is that I shouldn't be wasting your time. Here you are sitting for a long time sometimes. And at least you should walk out. And you go, oh wow, I walked out with something. I never knew that. I never realized that. Oh wow, I have this new project, this new mindset. So why does it matter that you came to this class today? So now you learned something. You're going to go home, you're going to write it down. You learn how Hashem made the world. You learn how Hashem designs the world around us. Beautiful. Very nice information. Why does it matter that you heard this class? So I'm going to tell you two very important reasons why it matters. 
Number one, there's a word called yeush. Yeush means to give up. There's all different types of giving up. Despair. When a person feels that it's absolutely impossible for them to exist the way they exist. In this situation, it's just not possible. There's no way I can continue like this. I just give up. I tried so many times to be successful. It's just not working. When we go through difficulties in life, very often the feeling is you feel like you want to give up. And sometimes we do give up. Baruch Hashem, for most of us, not completely. That's what they call suicide. When you give up completely, they jump off buildings. But there's a lot of giving up, even if you don't jump off a building. There's different types of giving up. Where a person feels down. A person just wants to sleep. They don't want to get out of bed. They don't want to go outside. They don't want to see people. They're just not, not in it. They gave up. They'll do the minimal. They'll eat a little. They'll do a little. But they gave up. There's all different forms of yush, of giving up in life. And there's nothing more dangerous to your simha. We're studying here simha. There's nothing more dangerous to your happiness than when you gave up. And how do you blame someone who gives up? They're dealing with so much. Put in that situation, who knows if you would be able to deal with it. Who can blame anybody when they're going through a hard time, so many difficulties? A sick person in the family that basically stole your whole time. You used to be able to go to classes. You used to be able to take care of your children. You could read a little magazine. You could learn something. You could, and all of a sudden, you, that's it. You're running from hospital to doctor to this. Not one day, not two days, weeks, months. Years. Who can blame someone for having these feelings of like, I just give up. I just want to be normal. I want to go to classes. I want just to be home. I want to do kindness in different ways. I don't want to be in the hospital for three months. Who can blame someone when they're going through a difficulty financially and they're having a hard time paying bills? Who can blame somebody when they're going through social issues or a difficult marriage or difficulty with their children? You have a child, sometimes you have six children, five of them normal, one of them makes you crazy. They drive you nuts. They take all your time. Either they're not getting married or they don't want to get married or they're just a mess in every way possible. You could have so many good things going on in your life, but that's all you think about. And you can't handle it anymore. How much can one person take? How many times have you heard that line? 
How much can one person take? And who can blame anyone who feels that way? But coming to today's class, will make you realize that maybe nobody can take so much like you, could be. But you for sure need to take this on. This is not a off course situation. That's your new course. Oh, you love to go to class every day. But that's no longer your Zeha Olam. It's just not. You would love to have all these children that just follow and do and they just make you proud. And just, you'd love that, wouldn't you? Just, that's not your course. It changed. Forget about that. That's not your world. And there's a reason why it is the way it is. And one thing about Understanding this is reminding yourself of the Pasuk in Tehillim that we say every day in Zemirot. Listen to this beautiful Pasuk. Happens to be last night I gave a class and somebody came over to me and said, Rabbi, I want to tell you, there's a class you gave. It must have been years ago because I haven't discussed this in a long time. That you said this line. Until today, it changed my life. So, coincidence, no coincidence, I'm saying it today. The Pasuk says, Hanoten Shele Hashem, He gives the earth snow, which is like, like the wool. So simple, Peshat, what does it mean? What does snow have to do with wool? Wool keeps the body warm. What does snow have to do with it? So the answer is actually that snow is the same like a wool blanket for the earth. Wool, the way it keeps the body warm is because the fiber of the wool is very curly. When you have curls, you can bunch up a lot of curls together to the point where it becomes airtight. So when you put wool together, it makes a real solid block. So the outer cold doesn't come in and the inner heat stays in. That's how wool, there's no heaters in wool. But it keeps you warm from your own heat and doesn't allow the cold air in. Snow is that way. You know, no snowflake looks the same, it's true. Every snowflake is different. It's also very curly. And when it comes down, all the snowflakes, they interlock. They interlock so well that they create a block and it protects the earth from the cold weather. There are so many animals underground. There are so many things alive under the ground that we need. But during the cold weather, if it's really cold, they will die out. So Hashem sends a wool blanket called snow around the planet. Hanoten shele katsameh. Beautiful. That's the simple meaning. But for today's class, I would like to share with you 
perhaps a novel meaning. That before Hashem will send snow to the world and cold into the world, Hanoten Sheleg Katsamen. He first sees if there's enough wool in the world for people to stay warm despite the cold. Cold it has to be. But is there enough wool that even during the cold people can stay warm? Before he sends the sheleg, he makes sure there's tzemer. Now that's a very critical lesson in life. That you will never be directed in a world that you can't handle. Zeha'olam means they thought about you. They know what you're capable of. If somebody else could handle it, we don't know. That's why when you look around you and compare yourself, it's never a good thing. But you for sure could handle it. Because they're reading the blueprints. And they're guiding your life. That in itself takes a person out of yeush, out of despair. You will never be in a situation that wasn't thought about for you. A situation that they know is important for you, it's good for you, you could handle it. A lot of our weakness comes not from the situation, but our reaction to it. Remember, the next thing you're involved in, which could be in a second from now, just see the creator of the world with his blueprints for you and saying, right now you got to go to jail. Right now you got to be a slave. Right now you got to stub your toe. And what are you going to do about that? How are you going to react? You have to be matzliach. You have to look at it not as a problem, but as a challenge, because it is. And you rise to the top. And you say, I'm going to be matzliach with a stub toe, whatever the hatzlacha is. I'm going to be matzliach with this difficult child, whatever hatzlacha is. I'm going to make it work, even though I'm in the hospital for three months. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to use it to be matzliach in what I do. Whatever that is, each item has its own version of success, of hatzlacha. So that's one thing this class is doing for you and for me. That never in life are we going to feel despair. It might be hard. And maybe nobody else has that same issue. But you were given that for your success. Step up. Make it work. Yosef wanted to be a melech. The only way to be a melech was to go through jail. There was no other way. If he wasn't in jail, he wouldn't have been a melech. That was the way. It's not, oh, what happened to the way? That is the way. That's the way, exactly where you are. Your dreams and your goals and your greatness is right there. That's number one. I will tell you number two. What else you get out of this class? 
This class does not make your life easier, but it makes it meaningful. If you came to last week's class, you, know, you already know. That life is not meant to be easy. And today's class is not coming to make your life easier. But it's going to make it more meaningful. And if you say, but who cares? It's still hard. No, no. Meaningful can actually be sweet, even though it's hard. I'm sure I've said this story. I may even said it last week. I don't know. I'm going to say it again. It's a story of a man who was put in solitary confinement for life. A prison cell with no windows and nobody else to talk to. I don't know if this is a true story, but I'm sure it happens all the time. Just can't even imagine what that feels like. What does that mean to be all day by yourself looking at photos? So this man is pleading with the officer of the prison, please. I know you can't let me out, but I want I need to do something. Give me something to do. Maybe I could color, maybe I could work, I can carry things. Like, give me something. So after pleading with him, he says, you know, tomorrow we're gonna install a wheel into your prison cell. This wheel will be connected, you see behind this prison, there are these beautiful, beautiful gardens. There are fruits and vegetables, trees, grass, flowers, miles and miles of them. But we need a water system to go and water everything. We have wells right by the prison, but we gotta get the waters there. So when you turn the wheel, you're gonna push the water into the entire area so you can give life to all of the beautiful things here. Believe it or not, that was an exciting moment for him. Sure enough, they installed the wheel in his prison cell. And every day, he woke up, did his thing, started working, turning the wheels, imagining the water that's coming out and give, distributing the water here and there. Take a break, work again, take a break. And he's doing this for 20 years. It's his life, he's watering, that's what he's doing. Lucky him one day, they come into his prison cell and they tell him, listen, by miracle, you're out. You're a free man, go ahead. They take him out of the prison and says, wait, I need to go back to see something. He says, what do you want to see? Yeah, out, go. He says, no, I want to see all the beautiful gardens and the trees and the grass. I want to see everything. So they start laughing. He says, why are you laughing? He says, they tell him, because there's no, there's no grass by this prison. There are no trees here, we're in the middle of nowhere. So what, what, what the wheel? He said, that, that was just a wheel. There was nothing attached to it. You were just turning wheels. 
The guy died on the spot. You see, turning wheels in a prison for 20 years, if it has a meaning, it keeps you going. But even freedom without meaning is impossible to live. While life may not get easier because you learned this class, but it becomes meaningful. That you're not just turning wheels. There's a purpose. There's the right reaction. There's the wrong reaction. There's the right thing to do. The wrong thing to do. It's a mission statement. And when it becomes meaningful, it's a whole different life. Look at the greatest people that ever lived. Did they have an easy life? You know any great person that ever lived a great life that told you how easy his life was? I bet there isn't one. Nobody. Moshe Rabbeinu's life was easy. Which part of it was easy? The part where he had no mother and father growing up in the palace of a strange man? Was it the part when he was chased out of Egypt as a fugitive, a part of living 60 years away from home with no family? Was it the part when the Jewish people were complaining or fighting or which part of his life was easy? When you see all these issues in the Torah, you say, oh wow, what a hard life. No, no, not what a hard life, what a great life. Because great lives come with challenges. It's a reality. You could try to escape and live on planet Mars, but that's not for this world. Zeha Olam, this is your world. Take it, it's your world. Don't just take it like, okay, I'll take it. No, no, take it. This is what you need. It's meaningful. It's not empty. It's not, you're not turning wheels when you're in the hospital for three months. You're not turning wheels. You're doing something. How you do it, the energy you put in it, the simha you do it with, makes all the difference. Be an ish matzliach. Be successful in your world. Easy not, but meaningful, yes. Perhaps that was the claim on Moshe Rabbeinu. Famous story when Moshe Rabbeinu was first appointed to be the savior of the Jewish people. Hashem told him, go, you're going to be the men. You're going to take my people out of Egypt. How beautiful, they're waiting hundreds of years for someone to take them out. Moshe Rabbeinu goes to Paro'ah. First mission. God says, let my people go. What happens? Instead of being bad in Egypt for the Jewish people, it became very bad. It got worse. Paro made them more problems. He made the work much harder. Could you imagine what you would feel like if you're Moshe Rabbeinu? Here you are, you were sent to help these people. And the first day you go, you know, how bad do you feel when you do something and it hurts somebody? You feel so bad. Could you imagine hurting an entire nation in one day? In one day they went from being slaves that were living decent lives to being living bitter lives. 
Could you imagine the compassionate Moshe Rabbeinu, what he felt? This is the man, by the way, that when God told him, I'm going to destroy the people by the Egel, Hashem said, he told Moshe, Moshe told Hashem, if you do that, you can erase me from your book. These people and me are together. There's no such thing. I care about them like my own child. Do you imagine, could you imagine what Moshe Rabbeinu felt like when in an hour, everything got worse for the entire nation? So what does he do? Vayashov Moshe el Adonai. He goes back to God. Vayomar and he says, Adonai, lama hareota laam hazeh. Why have you done bad to this nation? Why did you send me like this? From the moment I came to Paro, to speak in your name, it became bad for these people. You didn't save your people. Could you imagine? This is not Moshe complaining about his own life. This is Moshe's compassion to people that he thought he hurt. He's telling God, why are you doing this to me? What happened? The Midrash says Hashem got very upset with him. Could you imagine getting upset with him over that? Hashem deals with his great people very, very specific. Even the small things. Perhaps if we did that, it would be a praise for us. Look how much we care about the Jewish people. But Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, what's with you? He tells him, Haval al de'avdin. He says, Haval, woe to the ones that used to be, the great people that used to be, they're no longer around. The great people that we used to have on this planet, not there anymore. He told Abraham Avinu, I told him, I'm giving you this land, it's all yours. And then when his wife got, needs to be buried, he couldn't find a plot to bury her. Velohir her, he didn't say a word. Yitzhak, same story. He wanted a drink, and then they closed up all the wells and say a word. On and on. Ve'ata, he tells, and you, Moshe. Tehillat shalihuti, we just, I just sent you. Amartali, Amartali, yes, mashemi. And now you tell me, Ubasof Amarta, Umeaz bati el para. Tell me how bad it is. What's with you? Really, what's the, what, what's, why is Hashem so upset with Moshe when he's fighting on behalf of the Jewish people? The answer is that it's good to fight for the Jewish people. But perhaps there's one small error when he said the word, Lama hare ota la'am hazeh. Why have you done bad to these people? Hera la'am hazeh. It's bad. Bitter? Maybe. You could ask, why did it get bitter? Why did it get difficult? You could ask that. But you said bad? Did you say bad? That was the wrong choice of words. There's no bad. Bitter, maybe. Hard, maybe. Bad, no. Zeha olam, it's never bad.
So therefore, lesson number two from this class, the first one is there's no giving up. The second one is it's meaningful. You're not turning wheels. It's not getting easier today. It's getting more meaningful, which makes it actually more, I don't want to say the word exciting, but it brings you new life. And for the final thing that you learned today, And it's going to be a hard one. I saved it for last because it's the hardest one. After today, you take upon yourself that you're never going to complain again. Never complain. Because complaining and you'll forgive me when I say this, I don't mean it in a, in a condescending way. Because complaining is kefira. Anyone like to be called a kofir? Deny God? Complaining is kefira. It's not what we mean when we complain. But that's what it is. When you complain about your situation, then you're basically saying that Hashem doesn't run the world. Or He has something against you. Doesn't care about you. All of that is called kefirah. Zeha olam. This is your world. Now, what do you do when you have a situation? You try to take care of it. You try to better it. You try to avoid it. You pray. Of course. We're not saying you should sit back and enjoy the ride. That's rocky. Make it better. Figure it out. But don't complain. Don't ask why me. Why is this happening to me? Zeha'alam. Imagine the creator of the world is right now reading your blueprint and he sent you that. Don't complain. It's hard not to complain. In a, in, a, in, a, in a certain way, we like to feel like a victim. It's a little bit soothing for us to feel like we're being taken advantage of. It's like almost, it's not my fault, what should I do? But don't fall for it. Because it's a terrible thing to do, eh? And the results are worse than that. Pasuk says, let me read for you a Pasuk in Mishle. Shlomo HaMelech says, listen to this beautiful, not so beautiful Pasuk, but beautiful in its meaning. He says, Divre Nirgan. The word Nirgan means complainer. The words of the complainer, he has a, he has a name. So when you complain, you actually get a name for yourself. Want to remember it? Nirgan. You are a Nirgan. You want to be a Nirgan? No. Don't be Nirgan. Divre Nirgan says Shlomo Melech, the words of the complainer, Kemitlahamim, 
the Malbim explains, it means that he feels that the world is constantly coming against him. God's against him. People are against him. Everyone's against him. Mitlahamim, they're constantly punching him. He's like a punching bag. That's how he talks. The words of the complainer makes it feel like he's constantly being punched. Look at the Chokhmah of Shlomo HaMelech. And it's the words that enter his soul. Which means, it's not what's going on in your life that's aching your belly. Hadre baten. You get belly aches. It's not what's going on in your life that's making your belly ache. It's the words of complaint. Him. It's your complaining that has gone down to your belly and is bothering you. You imagine that? It's not what's going on. It's the words. The words are making you miserable because you're complaining. I'll read it again. Divre nirgan. The words of the complainer. Kemitlahamim. He feels like the world is coming at him. He's victim. In America, everyone wants to be a victim. We're all victims. The him, who's him? Not the problems. Him, the words. They go deep inside your soul, deep inside your brain, deep inside your, your body. And they cause you all types of pain. Not the situation, the complaining. Now I know that after I said that to you, most of you are probably thinking, done. Done. That's it. I'm never going to complain again. Nice. But somewhere in your brain, you're going to leave a little space for situations that, of course, I didn't mean this. Meaning, you're not going to complain anymore. If it's instead of 85, it's 88, you're not complaining. If it's 42, instead of being 52, you're not complaining. Okay. Mechabel. But of course, of course, there's going to be situations where I'm going to complain. Because... Who wouldn't complain in that situation? You know, you ever hear that excuse? So are you complaining? Well, who wouldn't? What, is, what does that mean? Why is that a reason to complain? Because who wouldn't? You're learning Torah from the people in the streets? So because I'm afraid that you're going to take this Kabbalah, but you're going to leave a little space for the real complaints in your life. So I'm going to share with you a very important story that happened 3,300 years ago. Are you ready for this story? Here goes. The Jewish people have just left Egypt. I'm not going to go through all the different trials and tests when they left Egypt, because they had some. For example, they were leaving Egypt 
millions of people, millions and millions of animals without food. You know, when we leave for a trip, a day trip, on an air-conditioned bus, okay, we take, we pack, pack bags and luggages of drinks and water and food. Here's a nation, millions of people going to a desert. There's no convenience stores in the, in the desert. There's no air conditioning in the desert, nothing. And you have little children with you. And they were asked to leave on the dime. Did they complain? The opposite. It says, Vegam tzeda lo asulahem. And when they left Mitzrayim, this is one of the things that Hashem praises us for. When He says, I remember Chesed Neuraif. How you went after me, you went after Hashem in the desert. There's no food over there, there's nothing there. Not one word. Could you imagine a nation of millions of people going somewhere hot? Not one complaint. Nice. Then they go, supposedly to Eretz Israel. Hashem tells them, tells Moshe Rabbeinu, take them back towards Mitzrayim. I don't know how you would feel about that. I don't know if Moshe told them why. Bottom line, you're going back to Mitzrayim. What? What are we doing? We just left Mitzrayim. Why are we going back there? How many people complain? No complaints. Nice, beautiful. Ready for this? Here goes. They went, finally they got to Midbar Shur, a desert called Midbar Shur. They went three days in the desert. Now, I want you to know, that's the springtime. This is April time. April time. I want you to go April time into the desert in Eretz Israel during the day in the hot sun and imagine you're there three days without water. Your children say, Mommy, please give me something to drink. Sorry, honey, I don't have. Grandpa, could you give us something? I don't have. Your animals are crying. The Hamorim are screaming. They had millions of Hamorim within the left Egypt. How many people complained? How many people complained? Nobody. Could you? I can't imagine. But nobody complained. Unbelievable. Then it says that they. As they were traveling, they finally got to a place called Mara. Vayabo'u Marata. And guess what they found in Mara? They found water, finally. Could you imagine what that feels like? You ever see people in Motsa'e Yom Kippur? You ever try to make conversation with somebody? After Shur, Motsa'e Kippur? They give you a look, like, are you kidding? That's it, you just... I'm gonna eat. What are you doing? Could you imagine three days without water in a hot desert? And finally they got water. You can just imagine the excitement. 
And then they went to drink the water. The Pasuk says, But they couldn't drink the water. Kimarim him was bitter water. Do you know what that, what, what is that? What do you feel like now? Finally, you got water. Now it's bitter. Here you are expecting Hashem is taking you out of Egypt. He's going to fly you in on a, on, a, on a private jet into Eretz Israel. So the Pasuk says, Vayilonu al Moshe. They came to complain to Moshe. And they said the following words. Ready for these words? Ma nishte. Moshe, what should we drink? Hazal tell us that this is one of the places in the desert that the Jewish people upset the creator of the world. Why? Because they complained. And they said, Manishte. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in such a situation. Imagine someone tell you in that situation, why are you complaining? Are you kidding? First of all, what they say? They said, they said manishte. What they, what they say? What should we drink? But the Torah says, Vayilonu, they complained. They said it with the wrong tone. Sometimes you can say the same thing, but the wrong way. You know how people say, but, but I said this? I don't understand. I only said this? Yeah, okay, it sounds right. You're right, you only said it. But how did you say it? Not only what you say counts, but how you say it counts. They said, they didn't say, Moshe, manishte. They said, Moshe, manishte. <laughs> Big difference. So it's not even the words that they said that was a problem. It was the tone. They used the wrong tone. And that was wrong. You can't complain. Complaining is out. You're a bunch of complainers. I bring you that story only because what the Torah is telling us is a complainer is a complainer. And if you're a complainer, you'll complain in any situation. And if you're not a complainer, you never complain. You just never complain. You don't cross that line. Don't complain. Fix the problem. Sit with the person. Talk to them. Fix the situation, pray, do, work, whatever you have to do. Don't complain. Because when you complain, you're going against the creator of the world. Who's holding your blueprints to guide you. And you're spitting in his face. He's telling you, you need to go through here. That's it. That's, it. That's what it is. Don't complain. Never complain. It will take away your happiness. That's what Shlomo Amalek is telling you. It's going to make you miserable. Not the situation, the complaining. I will end off by telling you a very famous story. But it's meaningful because it complements everything that we said. It's the story when Paro met Yaakov Avinu for the first time. The Torah tells us what happened in that meeting. It says that Yaakov blessed Paro when he met him, when he went down to Egypt. So the Pasuk says, Vayomer Paro el Yaakov. Paro tells Yaakov, 
Kama Tell me, how old are you? You look very old. How old are you? And Yaakov tells Paro, Oh, Yeme Shene Megurai. He says, I'm 130. Me'at, my years are little. Vera'im, and they're bad. Hayu Yeme Shene Hayai. My years have been, had some rough years, some very bad years. The Midrash says that when Yaakov says that, Hashem tells him, Ra'im, bad, you had bad years? And the Midrash goes on to explain. And Hashem says, Hayechai, for the 33 words that you said to Paro, complaining about your bad years, Kach yahseru mishenotecha, you're going to get a deduction from your life. Instead of living 180, you're going to live 33 years less. Now, if they did that to us, we would not be on the planet. Okay? I told you, they do this with great people. Okay? We don't get judged like this. But we have to learn from it. 33 words, 33 years of complaint. Now, if you count the words, here's the problem. When you count the words, you don't find 33. You'll find that there are only 25. They're not 33 words. So they got him even for more years, for more words, he didn't say it. He said 25 words. Our rabbis explain, but if you explain, but if you count the previous pasuk, which pasuk here? Ready? Count the words with me. Vayomer Paro El Yaakov. Paro says to Yaakov, Kama Yeme Shene Hayecha. How long have you lived? How old are you? Eight words. Eight plus 25, 33. That's Hayat 33. Because you start from what Paro told him, not from what he told Paro. And obviously the question is, what do you mean? How could you get someone? He didn't say. Paro spoke to him, so he gets a deduction for that. And the answer is because Yaakov looked like he was complaining. That's why Paro asked him, tell me, how old are you? Look at an old man. You look, you look worn down. For those eight words that Paro used, he also got deductions. Which means not only you shouldn't complain, don't even look like you complain. That's what it means. Not only the words, don't even look like it. Even looking like it is a problem. It's a Kabbalah. Take it upon yourself. Never to complain. Do not complain. It's not helping you. It's hurting you. It's the wrong thing to do. It's not getting you closer to where you need to get. It's making you further away. And by the way, nobody cares anyway. Just side point. Side point. That was a side point. It's for a different class. I'm telling you nobody cares. And even if they do, how much do they do? What are they going to do for you? They can't help you. They're not holding the... They don't have the world in their hand. 
I don't mean in a, in a bad way, but at the end of the day, everyone has their own issues and their own problems. So what are you wasting your time? And you're hurting yourself. Do not complain. You know, there were great men, there were great people that lived long lives. Masechet Megillah brings a bunch of great people that lived very beautiful long lives. And their Talmidim asked them, what, what was your merit that you lived such a beautiful long life? And each one answered something else. Miyamai one said, I never used the Beta Knesset as a shortcut. One says, I never named my friend with a nickname. I never called him a name. One says, I never, yeah, I never slept and feeling angry at my friend. I never got honor from my friend's downfall. Another one says, I never looked at the picture of Adam Rasha. One says, I never got angry in my home. Okay, nice. You'll see the Gemara. Each one says, Mi yamai. I never, I never did this. I never did that. When you look at all these things that they said, by the way, you'll realize they're not like very like holy things. He never used the bed as a, as a shortcut. That's, that's why you live a long life. But the common denominator of all of them is one word. Miyamai. Miyamai means, I never did it. Miyamai. I never. The power of what they did isn't what they did. It's that they never did it. Miyamai doesn't necessarily mean from the day you're born. But it means from the day you came to this class. Oh, and then you realized. The day someone said, oh wow, I never realized that complaining was such a big deal. I never realized. And now you realize. Today begins your miyamai. Imagine in a hundred years from now, you could say, miyamai. Imagine your great-grandson will come over to you and say, great-grandma, what an amazing life you live. Look at your life. Look how... Beautiful, look how this, look at the beracha in your life, look at your family, look at your jet, look, look at that. Grandma, great grandma, great grandpa, tell me, how'd you do it? How did you, what'd you do? Imagine you could say, me am I. Me am I, there was a class, I don't remember what year it was, there was this rabbi talking, I forgot his name, doesn't matter, my name is irrelevant. And in that class, I learned that complaining is out. And from then, I decided that I will never complain again. And all the biracha that you saw comes miyamai, because of miyamai. That's my challenge to you. I know I talk and make it sound so easy. When I talk, I make everything sound simple. And I know it's not simple. But it's doable. If it wasn't doable, they wouldn't put it in front of us. Mi yamai. All of us, together. Be'ezrat Hashem. Mi yamai. Never to complain. And the reason never to complain is, because Zehaolam. That's the world that they put for you. They made it for you. 
Maybe you don't understand it. Maybe you would have chosen differently. But it's for you. It's not accidental. Don't complain. Pick up your energy. Pick up your strength. And do what you need to do. And be matzliah. Because it is from this specific place that you will reach your greatness and your great potential. Baruch Allah Amen ve Amen.